Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Storms, intense hurricanes uh, hitting the Atlantic region constantly. Uh, some experts there say there are need for a uh, need for major changes to be made to power grids and shoreline defenses in order to better prepare and be able to withstand uh, these storms that some have say uh, have become the new normal. To talk more about all of this, uh, Tom Adams is with us, independent energy and environmental consultant, and he is with us now. Tom, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Hey, Scott. Nice to talk with you again. It is nice to talk to you about something other than rising electricity rates. Well, there you, well <laughs> we, uh, power systems going down and reliability and getting the lights back on is kind of the other half of the equation, right? You know, like there's the cost of power and there's reliability of power. They go together. So, and, and you know what? I'm remembering way back when to the brownouts uh, in Ontario, I guess that's how the discussion started here way back when, although they weren't really due to natural occurrences, just overload, I guess. Um, what is it or is there anything we can do to better prepare ourselves for these storms? There, there, there is a lot we can do, and there is a lot that's going on. Um, uh, so if you look across the, you know, the, the history of, of, of major storm events that we've had, you, you know, back to the 1998 ice storm and, you know, some of these really big things. Um, uh, in, in Atlantic Canada, of course, they, they had... Uh, Hurricane Juan, then they had uh, Hurricane, well, they, they call it the White Juan, uh, uh, the winter that followed, uh, intense, intense snowfall events. Th- these are all examples of um, e- extreme weather that has uh, extreme impacts on on power systems. Um, and, it, and if you kind of look at how the utility sector in Canada has re- responded to all of those things, there have been a lot of changes that have happened. Um, uh, so the, the utilities now kind of one of the standard operating practices is what they call grid hardening. Um, so they're putting on stiffer towers, um, uh, stronger wires, um, uh, more effort at tree trimming, that kind of thing. But there's nothing they're ever going to be able to do when you get hit with a Category 2 hurricane like Dorian that's going to completely protect. Keep in mind, Nova Scotia is like almost all the customers and, all, of course, then almost all of the electricity service is in coastal areas. And they're exposed yeah. and there's going to be a certain amount of damage no matter what you do. Uh, are we more vulnerable to these types of stor- uh, storms than we were in the past? Is this happening more? Well, the, um, the, the, the grid is in much better shape than it has been historically to uh, withstand storm, you know, serious storms. Um, uh, and also the response times. So, like, the amount of inter-utility uh, coordination uh, to send storm crews, you know, storm response crews from one utility to another to share the um, uh, the staffing and trucks and you know and hardware and whatnot that's required to get customers back hooked up. That that's we're the utility guys are are much better at doing that. Um, if you look at the weather record and and ask yourself, are the storms getting worse? 
There was actually an interesting development just uh, a couple of months ago. Um, You know, the kind of standard talking point from the environment minister, then environment minister Catherine McKenna, was that the storms are always getting getting worse and climate change is making, you know, know, extreme weather worse. She was forced to retract uh, uh, some of those statements when uh, confronted with data from Environment Canada that shows that you know, we, we still have bad storms, but but the the pattern uh, in terms of the you know, flooding, for example, getting worse, that's not true. Are politicians using this as a means to push their agenda rather than solving the problem? In other words, are politicians spending too much time talking about climate change rather than how we are to survive through all of this? Uh, you know, I think it's real, really worthwhile to have a, a discussion, you know, about how we can make ourselves more resilient. That seems to me, uh, uh, you know, a value-added kind of a conversation. We are more dependent on electricity now than we ever have been before. Um, uh, you know, our, our economy, our daily lives, you know, we, we need reliable power to, to make the modern world accessible to us. So it's, it's a good thing to talk about reliability, but we always have to balance this. Reliability comes at a cost, right? And, um, it, 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 well, speaking specifically about the customers impacted by Dorian and, you know, Maritimes, there are a lot of uh, customers there that already find electricity costs pretty hard to bear. Um, uh, average uses for electricity in the Maritimes tend to be higher than the rest of the country. Um, uh, and a lot of, um, uh, you know, there are lower incomes uh, in the Maritimes uh, uh, on average. And so there's Every time we talk about reliability, we got to have a kind of responsible trade-off between reliability versus cost. Just saying, oh, yeah, we should underground all the distribution lines, that, that, that kind of talk's just crazy. Let's talk about that. What can we do to strengthen uh, the grid? What is it that we can do to better prepare ourselves when these situations happen? The standard prescriptions that, you know, that the kind of sensational news headlines will kind of push at people are, oh, yeah, we got to uh, uh, underground the, the distribution wire. That seems uh, obvious. Why are we not doing that? Well, that's just hugely expensive. Yeah. That, um, it, so in, in high-density areas um, uh, where there are a lot of customers around to pay for it, um, uh, and it, 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 where the soil conditions are, uh, you know, suitable for underground ground construction, there, there's a case for undergrounding. Uh, Which is why we don't see it like when you're seeing a new survey or subdivision being built. A lot of the times when it, it's underground cabling because the whole place is being redone. You can't do that in all parts of the country. Retrofitting. Um, uh, retrofitting, especially if uh, you got bad soil conditions, you know, rocky, rocky, uh, um, um, you know, uh, geotechnical conditions, um, and low density customers. You know, we're just that's describing a lot of Canada, including the Maritimes. Um, uh, so, so undergrounding as a, as a broad brush measure just it would not be responsible. 
Um, another prescription that we hear, you know, from, you know, kind of <laughs> the, 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 the talking heads uh, that show up after a big storm events. Oh, people talk about microgrids. That's another one. That's, uh, explain, know, what a, explain what that is. Well, so the idea of, uh, you know, microgrids is that um, rather than depend on power supplies uh, generated at uh, uh, large power plants that are remote from the customer, that um, the power would, that the customer would be consuming would be produced more locally and uh, there would be um, uh, systems that would make the customer less dependent on long-distance transmission. Um, uh, and, you know, so that, you know, if the transmission lines went down, the customer wouldn't be so badly affected. Uh, you know, so people talk about putting uh, solar power plus batteries and uh, uh, that, that kind of thing uh, to, to make the power grid more local. The, the problem with all of that is uh, cost. Um, uh, if, well, and that, you know, is still uh, like just a huge sticking point. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, solar power, uh, you know, is, is, can be really a great thing if you've got a seasonal occupancy, uh, recreational property, that kind of thing. But if you're trying to, uh, you know, run a modern economy in the middle of the winter in Canada, um, uh, where we don't get a lot of sunlight, it, you know, there are limitations on what solar, for example, can deliver. So, so on that note, sorry to interrupt here, but on yeah. since we're talking about renewable energy, is renewable energy, could it be a solution in some of these scenarios? Um, uh, well, I... I mean, that would be damaged just as much as any other grid would be, would it not? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm actually uh, working with some of my... Um, you know, uh, uh, colleagues uh, that are more on the ground in Nova Scotia to get some damage reports on how their wind turbines uh, uh, survived through the system, you know, through this bad weather. And I haven't mm -hmm. got the data back yet. Um, uh, but we have seen, um, you know, Puerto Rico is an example where uh, they have a lot of renewable energy uh, infrastructure down there before the hurricane hit and uh, renewable in energy infrastructure were very much worse hit than uh, conventional generating stations on Puerto Rico, on mm -hmm. the island of Puerto Rico. So, uh, um, uh, you know, again, you got to kind of balance these things out. The, 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 the good news about conventional power stations is they are pretty well armored um, uh, and uh, pretty weather resistant. Um, uh, you know, even big uh, you know, coastal uh, thermal generating stations um, have survived uh, tsunamis and, you know, terrible, terrible events that have knocked out a lot of other things around them. So um, the, the, the renewable generation, whether wind, primarily wind and solar, you know, they're more... They're, they're more kind of agricultural in, in nature in the sense that they're spread out over big uh, um, uh, geographic areas um, and, and they're, they're just inherently more exposed to um, severe uh, wind events, icing events, those kinds of things. 
What about trees, uh, forestry, management? Is there much that can be done there? Uh, the utility in, in, uh, in Nova Scotia is spending north of $20 million annually on tree and foliage control uh, in order to widen the transmission corridors. A lot of people have seen that up around cottage country too, where they're trying to prevent this by simply widening out the corridors that, that these, uh, these lines are traveling through. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, is there much we can do from a forestry standpoint? That's that's a really important area, um, and it's also it's it's one of these topics where utilities get pushback. Um, everybody loves trees. Uh, um, trees are beautiful. Wires are ugly. Um, uh, you know, so if you're you're cutting back corridors around the wires, um, uh, you, you know you can you can get a lot of people upset and. Uh, uh, it, and in addition, it, you know, of course, it costs a lot of money to cut trees. And um, uh, so utilities kind of, you know, uh, left to their own devices, they have a couple of pushes on one side saying, don't cut the trees. Um, you know, you got the upset neighbors that don't like the, you know, the, the view impairment caused by tree trimming. Hmm. And, and you've got the high cost of actually doing the trimming. And so, you know, so utilities, when they're running their budgets, they're often saying to themselves, oh, gee, you know, maybe we shouldn't cut the trees. Um, uh, but, of course, we've seen the consequences of that. Uh, you know, the big blackout in 2003 um, uh, that hit Ontario and a lot of other parts of, uh, you know, northeastern North America very badly. The initiating event for that was um, a failure of, of a utility down in Ohio to do appropriate tree trimming around some key transmission lines. Hmm. There were lots of other factors, too, but that was a, a, an initiating event for that big blackout. And so since 2003, utilities have been under, a, you know, a lot of peer pressure um, uh, uh, to make sure that they don't let their trees get out of control in such a way that would impact the reliability of neighboring utilities. And that kind of peer pressure amongst the utilities has, has been, uh, well, it, it, it's, it's a feature of the utility landscape that, you know, Unless you watch the the electricity business really closely, you wouldn't notice. But it it turns out to be a really important thing. Uh, is that the answer moving forward? We talked about underground lines, way too expensive. Uh, strengthening infrastructure, the power plants themselves are good. It's the lines between point A and B. Uh, is preventative medicine the best way? Trimming the trees out of the way. It, incrementalism is a a good thing. So hardening the grid. You know, when when, a, when a, a distribution wire has to get replaced, and they do um, uh, from time to time, you put in tougher wire. To, uh, uh, they replace the uh, cables with the more tree-rated wire, um, uh, stronger poles, and then um, uh, better uh, tree trimming and you know maintenance practices around the wires, and then better coordination for storm response when it does happen, so that the communication systems, um, uh, the incoming crews from neighboring utilities have already got the appropriate, you know, uh, training and and, uh, equipment in place to do the job that needs to be done, all those kinds of things. So, uh, like, it's there's no perfect solution for a big storm. The best that we can do is just expect our utilities to constantly improve. 
are you are you convinced that we have a handle on this, uh, especially with lots, you know, uh, pointing to climate change when it comes to the frequency of these storms and such? Are you convinced that as a society we have a handle on this in Canada? Canada's standards of electricity reliability are pretty darn good. Um, uh, you can look around, and there's people that do way, way better than we do. Japan is an example uh, where electricity reliability standards are much better. But again, the Japanese pay uh, um, prices that would make even the you know the most punished Ontario of, uh, commercial electricity customer that's really feeling the pain feel really good by comparison. Japanese electricity prices are, are through the roof. So we've got a reasonable relationship between cost and reliability, kind of looking big picture nationwide. Um, uh, and, and I, you know, but I, I, I think that the attention that comes to reliability is a really good thing. We should be thinking about how, especially as you know, we proceed into the modern world where we're going to be more dependent on electricity in future than we are even today, we got to do better on reliability. Let's talk about, before I let you go, we've only got about a minute left. What about your thoughts on where Ontario electricity customers are now? We remember uh, during the last government, Kathleen Wynne punted refinance, punted the costs uh, for the Green Energy Act onto uh, the next generation. What can Ontarians expect in the next little while? Wow. Um, uh, w- one thing that's gone on, and, you know, it doesn't get n- nearly the airtime that, uh, you know, I think it deserves, but uh, um, small, medium-sized enterprises, uh, they are just getting beat up something terrible about uh, rising costs of electricity. They don't have the protections that uh, are in place for, for the residential customer class. Um, and, and so the, the small, medium-sized enterprise, um, the, the, the big industrials, uh, they have a lot of protections, but the, 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 the guys in the middle man, it's a hurting landscape out there in terms of cost of electricity. If you're a manufacturer um, uh, and, and you, you, you know, you're too small to get the ear of the politicians at Queen's Park, you've got a problem. Uh, you hear a lot of that in cottage country with small business owners, restaurateurs, uh, motel operators, whatever, that uh, because they rely so much on electricity due to not being uh, on the natural gas grid or such, uh, they're just getting nailed. They're having a hard time paying their bills. Uh, Tom Adams has been with us, independent energy and environmental consultant, talking about how we can better prepare ourselves uh, for the storms that seem to be the new norm uh, and strengthening the grid in general. Tom, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much, uh, much appreciated. Wonderful, Scott. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.